Psalm chapter 24, and I um, was looking forward to teaching this wonderful psalm and uh, uh, doing a little preaching on it. And I've entitled this A Good Neighbor. Have you ever had a bad neighbor? I heard a quick yes there from Cindy down here, but uh, I don't want to hear any names, but uh, maybe you've had a neighbor that got a little close to your property, closer than they should. Maybe you've had one that played loud music. Maybe you had one that just got on your nerves. All of the above, okay. <laughs> well, sometimes neighbors can cause you to stay up late at night or to put a for sale sign out in your front yard. But you know, Psalm 23 has a good neighbor. Psalm 24. Now we all know Psalm 23. And my wife Pam asked me, she said, you're going through the Psalms, are you going to do Psalm 23? And I said, well, everybody wants to hear about Psalm 23. Pam said, yeah, but we've heard about it. <laughs> what about Psalm 24? Well, Psalm 24 is a good neighbor. It is a wonderful psalm, a statement of who God is. Psalm chapter 24 is a psalm of David, but the early church would use Psalm 24 as a responsive reading. Now, I want you to hold your spot in Psalm 24, but I want you to look over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. There in the New Testament, find 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Now the early church, the New Testament church, would read Psalm 24, then they would flip over, and they would talk about how that, that psalm talked about the ascension of Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Now that last phrase, taken up in glory, they believed, kind of was a reference to Psalm 24. Now, take your Bible there and look at Psalm 24. And I'm going to read this wonderful psalm uh, to us. Let me get my Bible a little higher where my bifocals work better, alright? Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of His salvation. 
This is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Now, maybe you've done this, but when you read a psalm, have you ever gotten on YouTube and just done a search of that psalm? And you'll find that so many of the psalms have a hymn. And I listened to the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir saying Psalm 24. Who is the King of glory? Boy, they just rocking up there. I, I listened to that. And our choir sings that too, that's right. And you guys are just as good, alright? Did I clean that up alright? I had some really good lemon pie and yours was just as good. But Psalm 24, you know, is a powerful musical psalm. It's not only a prayer, it's a song you can sing. And uh, there is some interesting background to Psalm 24. Again, it's a psalm of David. And uh, many Jewish historians believe that Psalm 24 was written when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. Now remember, the Ark of the Covenant was a long wooden box with these poles that the people of God carried. In fact, they carried it through the wilderness. Now what was in that box? Manna. Manna that hadn't spoiled. What? Rod of Aaron. Tablets, right? The Ten Commandments. And you know what? When you think about manna that hadn't spoiled, when you think about Aaron's rod, when you think about the Ten Commandments, it is a picture of Jesus. For He is our High Priest. He is our bread of life. Alright? And He kept the law perfect in every way. It's a picture of Christ. Now, on top of that box was what? Mercy seat. The cherubim, right? The angels. And in between those angels was the mercy seat where they would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. He is our blood offering. Again, a perfect picture of Christ. So, David possibly wrote Psalm 24 when they marched back in. And they marched in carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And as the Ark of the Covenant marched back into the temple area, the choirs began to sing, Who is the King of Glory? Is that not one of those times you wish you'd have been there? (laughs) I mean, what a celebration that must have been. So Psalm 24 celebrates who God is. Verses 1 and 2, He is a Creator God. You and I are a speck of dust. 
But yet that speck of dust is what God sent His one and only Son to die for. Just a speck of dust. God created the worlds, but also every single person. He is a creator. Now that's important. Because if you believe what the atheist wants you to believe, it means that we came from nothing and we're going nowhere. I heard the story about, about the atheist that was um, up at City Hall griping. And the atheist was up there griping before the judge saying, well, these so-called Christians have all these holidays where they're getting days off and we close up business and it's all centered around these Christian holidays. And this atheist said, why is it that we as the atheists don't have a holiday for us? And the smart judge looked back over the bench and said, you've got one, it's April 1st. <laughs> April Fool's Day. <laughs> for you are a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Is that not what the Word says? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So he is a Creator God. Verses 3-6. through six. He's a holy God. Oh man, listen, when Isaiah got before God, Isaiah heard the angel say, holy, and the other one said, holy, and the other one said, holy. And Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. For I stand in the presence of a holy God. I'm going to mention this later on, but let me just talk about this right now. There's a problem when we try to bring God down on our level. There's a problem when you talk about God in this way. The man upstairs. Or my big brother up there is Jesus. I want to tell you something. He is the God of the universe. And His name deserves respect. A Hebrew scribe when they wrote the name of God, when they were writing, translating Scripture, when they would write the name of God, they would get a brand new quill and write the name of God. Then they would burn that quill in the fire never to be used again because they wrote the name of God with it. How far have we come from that? We need to have a holy respect for the name of God. Then in verses 7 through 10, and I love this, he is a warrior God. Notice there in verse number 8 strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. My Savior is the Lamb of God. But more than that, he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a lion, a warrior God. And so we find this wonderful picture of the God that we love and the God that we serve. Now, the epitome of this, the really manifestation of our God is found in flesh and blood in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the perfect picture of God. John in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 14. I want you to look over there. John, chapter 1, verse 14. 
John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 14. That's my music for you to find it, alright? John 1, 14. I'm staring at JB over here. JB! We'll let you talk now, alright? Would you read John chapter 1, verse 14? And the Word became flesh. Uh oh. Yeah, so the Bible says in John 1.14 that the Word, God, the Word became flesh and blood in a person, Jesus Christ. He is all man, but also all God. And the Bible says He showed us grace and truth. Those two things. Now I want to tell you, yesterday I needed a lot of grace. Now, I see the weavers there. Happy birthday, Harold. Alright? Again. But, uh, Linda, let me just share about this. Alright, I played a part in getting Harold here and, and I told a whole bunch of lies. <laughs> I did, I... I did, I did. I called Harold up and I said, Harold, there's a problem with your room on Sunday night. You've got to get down here. We've got to straighten it up. And did all kinds of uh, uh, fibbing, I'll call it, to get him here and, and to get him over to Ellis Hall. And, and I told Steve Phillips, I said, I need to go to a priest today. I just need to <laughs> confess. But listen, I'm so glad that when we think about our Savior, He's described as one full of grace and truth. Uh, I hear people say sometimes, well, I got something against oh so-and-so. And then they'll use this phrase, and I got a long memory. I want to tell you something. When you stand before God, you want to stand before God with a short memory. And a whole lot of grace, don't you? Because we all need that when we stand before Him one day. When you look at Psalm 24, when you look at this in your Bible, how do you respond to a God like this? How, how do we respond to the God of Psalm 24? Well, let me give you some ways to respond. Number one, acknowledge His creation. That's the first thing. Acknowledge His creation. You know the old hymn, This is My Father's World? Uh, that hadn't changed, has it? Verses 1 and 2 talk about His creation. Uh, these verses are an introduction, verses 1 and 2. It's a prelude where we celebrate the ownership, the ownership of this world. You know, aren't you glad for Google these days? I, uh, I, I got a car that... It's the first time I had a car with a push-button start. And so, you know, it doesn't have a key. You just push a button and it starts. And uh, so I'm parked somewhere the other day and I had to wait. And so I thought, well, I'll just listen to the radio. I looked at this creature and I thought, uh, how do I find accessory? 
you know? So I asked my phone, I said, uh, hey Google, or Siri, how do I find how to start this thing with the Excel? Well, I found out how to do it. How? <laughs> well, to start the car, you got to have your foot on the brake and hit the button. To do accessory, you don't have your foot on the brake, you just hit the button. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> but you could be all day trying to figure that thing out. If, if you want to know something these days, you say, Hey Siri, hey, is it Google Gal or... Alexa, is that the new one? Now I tell you, Steve Phillips has one of those things in his house. He tells it to set the thermostat and all that. I'd be scared to do that, you know. I also hear that, you know, they're collecting information on you. You know? Have you ever done a Google search and then all of a sudden when you get on some other site you see those ads popping up? It's because they're watching you. You don't even have to do a search. No. That's right. You just talk. That's right. Yeah. Kathy's over here trying to scare us. They're listening, alright? Anyway, where I was going with this before I got diverted is that if you want to know about your God, you don't ask Google, Siri, Alexis, any of those. You simply look in the pages of Scripture. Danny Aiken says this, anyone or anything that attempts to lay claim on any part of creation invites the Lord to become His enemy. That's a strong quote. Invites the Lord to become His enemy. Why? Well, the earth is completely His. Look at verse number 1. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. The Bible says all it contains. He stamps all of creation with the word mine. Mine. I um, heard about the brother and sister that fought a lot. I, I know siblings don't do that. I was talking to Edna and Rosemary down here about, you know, they get along so well. And Brenda and Linda, you know, the other twins, they get along so well too. And I heard about, about this brother and sister. They, they just fought like cats and dogs all the time and couldn't get along. And, and uh, so the little boy, mischievous, ran downstairs in the morning as, as his mother was cooking biscuits. Mama brought that hot pan of biscuits out of the oven and, and the little boy did this. Mine, 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 mine. <laughs> and then smiled at the sister. Well then, to outdo him, the sister the next morning, she went downstairs and she went, yours, 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 yours. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm glad that God... By the way, I'm not going to shake hands with anyone now, alright? Um, by the way, we're, I understand we're doing this now. We're not even doing that. We're doing elbows now. But anyway, one day we're just going to stand ten feet apart and wave, I think. But God has a way of just saying, this is mine. This is mine. Alright. 
Verse number 2 says it's rightly His. The Bible says, For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. In other words, it's His because He made it. I don't have time to look at this, but John Gospel. Gospel of John chapter 1, 1 through 3, verses 1 through 3 affirms that creation. So, we respond to the God of Psalm 23, or 24 rather, when we acknowledge His creation. By the way, there will be a second creation. You know this world's not going to last forever. It's going to burn up. It's going to be destroyed one day. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 6 and 7, it says this, Then He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. So, Revelation 21 talks about a future creation. One day, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, I don't know how that's going to be. I, I don't know how God's going to do that. But the Bible says in Revelation 21 22 that there's going to be both. Now, listen to this both a new heaven and a new earth. It says there's going to be both. I'd, I'd like to think it's going to be like Star Trek, where I can just go and say, okay, beam me up. You know, and I can go up there and down here, all around. And, but I do know this it's going to be paradise. It's going to be paradise. So, acknowledge His creation. i got to move on. Number two. How do we respond to the God of Psalm 24? Hear His challenge. There's a challenge here. And that's verses 3 through 6. Our holy God cannot be approached lightly. Danny Aiken again says, he is not our pal, our buddy, our cosmic cheerleader, or the one who is committed to our happiness. No, He is the holy God on the throne. We need to affirm that. Uh, look at verse number 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in His holy place? That's a good question, isn't it? Charles Spurgeon said, there should be some preparation of the heart in coming to worship God. In other words, our hearts must be prepared. And here's what must happen. Number one, you've got to come clean. You've got to come clean. Look at verse number four. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, and it's not sworn deceitfully. You've got to come clean. I heard a radio spot today on NPR. They were giving tutorials on how to wash your hands. And they were saying, well, you've got to soap up this way and get the backs, make sure you get between the fingers. And you've got to sing happy birthday all the way through two times what they said twice. 
That didn't thrill my heart too much. But then they said, now if you don't want to do that, you can sing Baby Shark. Yeah, you can sing the Baby Shark song. Do that a couple of times. In fact, I guess Baby Shark you do. Baby, Mama, you got to do all the way through to Grandpa. Some of y'all look spaced out right now. <laughs> how many have heard? How many have not heard? Let's say that not heard the baby shark. Oh my goodness! Oh, you missed out. It's great fun. Lynn's wanting to do it. Lynn Stogner said, "Let me do it. Let me do it." I don't have time. But anyway, but you and I. No, that's not the cleaning of the flesh. It's the cleaning of the Spirit is what God's concerned about. Alright, so, then we also find that you've got to come expectantly. And that's verse 5 and 6. What do you expect when you come to God? Verse number 5, a blessing. Do you see that in verse 5? He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Uh, there used to be a word that theologians would use called imputed. The imputed righteousness. And what that means is that God imputes or stamps on your life His righteousness. Now, the blessing of the Lord. Man, when you get before God, you just... Man, when you go away, you feel blessed. I talked about Joe Reed again at the funeral yesterday. And I remember a couple of times where Joe would say, I didn't feel like coming. I didn't feel like being here today, but you bless me. There are times I don't feel like praying. There are times I don't feel like reading the Word. There are times I don't feel like listening to that devotion. But every time I do, I say, God, you blessed me. And you gave me something. And I went away stronger in my faith because I was obedient. Jeremiah 29.13 says this, You will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. With all your heart. Ever played hide and go seek? Someone's hiding? Man, you're, you're turning up everything trying to find it. Ever lost something? Turning up the house trying to find it? I want to tell you, when you're that frantic, when you're that disturbed, when you're that passionate for finding God, you'll find Him. I heard the story about a guy who was talking to a Muslim about his relationship with God and of course sharing Jesus. And he took the guy and they were standing by a river. He took the guy and the Christian guy was a strong, burly kind of guy. Kind of like JB over here, alright? Strong, burly looking kind of guy. And... But he, he took the guy and held him under the water. He took the Muslim, the Islam person, held him under the water and, and finally pulled him up. And the guy was gasping for his air, gasping for his breath. And the Christian missionary said, when you want God that much, when you're that passionate, 
that hungry as you were for that breath, you'll have Him. And I've thought about that. That you know, when people want Jesus in their life, that passionately, boy, they'll have all of Him. And I think that's what it means here where it says you seek Him. And then Jeremiah 29.13, with all, all your heart, you'll find Him. Alright, I've got to move on. Here's the third and last way that we respond to the God of Psalm 24. We also need to see His coming. See His coming. And I, I love these verses here, 7 through 10. And it may be that this was just written for David's time when the Ark of the Covenant came back. But I guarantee the early church took it. The early church said this is talking about the ascension of Jesus when He went back into heaven, went back into glory. Whichever, it's a wonderful statement about the coming of the Lord. Let, let me just read 7-10 through 10 one more time. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Well, let me wrap this up and tell you that Psalm 24 is a pretty good neighbor to Psalm 23. Psalm 24 pictures this wonderful, majestic God who is Creator, who is Redeemer, who invites sinful creation that are but a speck of dust to come to Him. But let me close by asking you one more time to look in your Bible to one single verse. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 3. Look at Revelation chapter 3. And we'll close with this. Revelation chapter 3. Chapter 3. Look at Revelation 3, verse number 20. Verse number 20. When I think about people coming to the Lord, I think about Revelation 3.20. And I know Revelation 3.20 is a verse that is talking to the church at Laodicea, but I, I don't think God would mind you and I applying it to our lives too. Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears My voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with Me. Who is the King of glory? Well, He's the one that you and I open up our hearts to. He's the one that says, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. I'll sup with you. I'll fellowship with you. We'll dine together. And so what a, what a wonderful passage. Somebody asked me how long I'm going to be in the book of Psalms. I don't know. Jesus may come before I finish. <laughs> You know, there's 150 of them. But boy, what a treat is Psalm 24. Let's pray together. Father, I love Your Word. God, as I think about 
the early church chanting, Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Who is the King of glory? Lord mighty, strong in battle. Open up the gates that the King of glory may come in. Father, it's my prayer today that at the close of a worship service today, that someone would open up their heart that the King of glory may come in. Father, I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.